Hey, today I want to preach kind of a, a weird titled sermon, but I'll break it down for you. Um, I entitled this sermon, Easter Ain't It. Easter Ain't It. And uh, I'm about to be 40. And uh, actually, that doesn't happen until March. So really, I'm just, I'm very far from 40. Uh, but I'm fading. Can I tell you that? I'm fading. And uh, uh, I see the chiropractors a lot more than I should at my age because uh, I got, I got you know, bones that don't work. I'm an old man. And, uh, and so anyway, uh, I, one thing you know, that I try to do is I try to, I, try, I try to stay connected with what the kids are talking about, you know, on MySpace and Zanga and stuff. I try to keep up <laughs> what they're talking about. And so back in the day, we used to say, we used to say, ain't, now I just moved to Borculo, and so we, we, we say ain't a whole bunch more than we used to, because we're, we're country now, but, uh, but you used to say, you know, like, uh, that ain't it, and, and you would think, like, that's the end of something, like, oh, no, that ain't it, there, there, there's more, and, um, but now you say that ain't it, you, you say it like, like, is, is this everything, like, is, is this the thing, man, it's like, is, is that, is that it, and so you'd be like, is, is that it, said, that ain't it, that's it. Am I making sense? Anybody learn anything today? Okay. Like, oh, Daniel, still no, no, I don't get it, bro. He he also just turned thirty nine a month after me. Uh, actually, it was just this past week. So uh, he'll he'll keep his hands out after service if you got cash to give him. He'll be grateful. <laughs> but uh, but that ain't it. That's it. That's how that works. Okay. And so Easter, you know, as a pastor, you got to remember, our, my wife and I, we in a great team. We planted this church. I love church growth. I love seeing church attendance be high and, and, and people come to church. I, I love all that kind of stuff. But this funny thing happens at Easter. You know, we, we get excited about Resurrection Weekend. We get excited about church. And, and people get excited as we all gather and we've added services. And, and they're full and, and, and just so grateful to everybody who was a part of Easter last weekend. We, we had our highest attended weekend uh, ever by 90 people. So give it up to God for that. <laughs> Salvations. We had salvations like on every platform in, in and online and, and just heard great stories coming from that. And so we are grateful for Easter. Of course, I'm not taking anything away from the message of the gospel and the resurrected uh, king who we serve. I'm, I'm not taking anything away from that. But this funny thing happens among believers is they're like, man. Easter, wow, Easter services, man, man, I could have done that all day. Like, oh man, Easter churches. And we talk about this, but the reality is like, Easter ain't it. Just coming and spectating and, and singing these great songs and having this experience where, where we're full and everyone is excited. That, that's not the be end, the be all end all for the community of God and for the purposes that he has here uh, on this earth and, and, and how he's called us to live. Uh, I don't believe a great church is when hundreds or thousands of people come to a building and, and they watch a service and they sing some songs. Now, all of those things are meaningful. Don't, don't, don't take away from, I believe that worship is absolutely life-changing, transforming. I believe the preached word is changing and, and transforming. I believe in all of that kind of stuff. But, but I believe what really makes an impact, what gives the enemy a black eye, in my opinion, is when people come to a church and they, they find their way into the body and they make relationships and they come a part of the family and they discover their gifts and then they go out and make an impact in their community. How many know what I'm talking about? So Easter's great, and we get excited about that, and that stuff's really important, but it ain't it. There's more to it. And so today I want to talk specifically uh, about community. I believe it's so important for us to, to not just come and attend, but it's important for us to, to come and connect, 
to find relationship, to find, find how we can help each other, how we can stand in the gap for one another. And, you know, I, um, again, I'm a pastor and, and we planted this church and I love to preach word. And one of my favorite things to do is write sermons. And, and so I love and I respect and I honor the, uh, and I reverence the pulpit and the preached word. But can I tell you something? The thing that changes lives the most in church is actually not a sermon. If I were to go around this, hey, don't amen that so much, John. John's over here like, that's right, those sermons, bro. I don't do nothing, man. Bro, you're my guy. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. He knows what I'm about to say. But if I talk to people, man, when you were at your worst, when you were at your lowest, how did you get out of there? How, you know, what, what helped you make it through? People would begin to describe, well, some people came alongside me and they carried me. Most people don't say, well, pastor preached this one sermon on it. I wish they did, but they don't. It's people that said, no, we, we came alongside each other and a group didn't let me go. And they kept checking on me and they kept speaking life over me and they wouldn't let me self-doubt. And they wouldn't, or you know what I'm talking about? Because community, this is how, this is how the body is built is by, by being in relationship. It's the first time we see in scripture. God looks out and he says, trees, good, oceans, rivers, all these things I made. I put all of this animals, all this stuff is good. And then records skip. Like, he says, oh, that, but that right there, that's not good. And what is he saying? He's saying mankind was alone. Adam was alone. He said, oh, wait, no, no, no. You're not designed for, for isolation or doing this thing on your own. You're not, a, you're not allowed. You're not called to do this by yourself. Even probably God at that time looked down and was like, that ain't it. Because he knew. He knew. He's like, we can't do that. We can't do alone. We can't do isolation. We got to do community. Now, many people say all the time, they're like, no, pastor, you don't understand. Like, I don't need a lot of people. I'm not a social person. I don't need a lot of people. Like, I'm actually good. I don't need people. Well, there's two things that I say to that. One is everybody needs people. And the second part of it is when you say, ah, I don't really need community. One thing that you don't maybe realize is that you might not at this season of your life need a high level of community, but somebody else might need you in their community. Somebody might need you to step in with the message that you have and, and the testimony that you bring into their community. Can I get an amen? So community is so important. We see that one of the first things that God says is not good is when, when mankind is alone or they're trying to do this thing on their own. We see that even Jesus chose community. Math chap, math, or Mark chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted. And they came to him. He appointed the 12. And then it says this, that they might be with him. And then it says, and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. If anybody was qualified to say, no, I can do this life on my own, it was probably God who came and took on flesh and blood as Jesus. If anybody could have said, hey, you know what? I can do this life on my own. I don't need community. I can just totally run this thing. I'm good. I'm God. I'm all powerful. I'm all knowing. I can do this thing. But even Jesus understood that there is power in having people with you. Can I get an amen? We grow. We, we develop. We advance by, by our community, our people that are with us. Um, community is so important, even like the highest level industry people understand that it's important to have community in your life because it helps you grow. It helps you develop uh, our counselor, whether you want to say counselor, therapist, um, psychologist, bully, whatever you want to call your counselor. De depends on the day you're having with them. Uh, says this, anybody at the highest level, Fortune 500 company, athlete, actor, anybody at the highest level. They say, I guarantee you sees a therapist or sees somebody in their life that's keeping them at their highest level. Why? Because there's wisdom, the scripture says, in wise counsel. Because the reality is we all have blind spots. 
we all have spots in our life where we can't see certain areas of our life. So that's why God said, hey, community, come together and get together and do community because you can help have each other's back and you can stand in the gap with one another. Unfortunately, in the church world, having each other's back has really turned more into stabbing each other in the back. And we have that church experience. And that's the wrong way. The enemy has used it in the wrong way. But I believe that, that there's a very pure and there's a very beautiful and there's a very great way of doing life. And that's in community where we can stand in the gap with each other. Can I get an amen today? And so Jesus modeled this. He said, hey, I'm, I'm having people with me. Uh, being planted and being connected to community uh, is really important. Luke chapter 2, verse 42. I'm going to help you uh, feel a little bit better about your parenting here in just a second. Uh, in verse 42, it says this. When he was 12 years old, speaking of Jesus uh, and his family, uh, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. So next time your life is like, where's the kids? You can just be like, I'm unaware of where they are. I'm just pulling the Mary and Joseph. I'm unaware. I'm not sure. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Travel down for a day. And then it says, then they began to look for him. Uh, then they, so, so anytime you're like, hey, where's the kids? I don't know. All right, let's keep going. We got a day before we can worry. Got a whole day. Says that they traveled. They begin to ask friends and family where her, he was. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? I love that. Uh, he got left for these days. And they show up going, how could you do this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he was saying. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all the things in her heart. Here's what I want to say. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. He grew in wisdom, stature, and favor with both God and man. And we see that that came by being planted in community. Even Daniel worshiped about it, being in the courts, in the presence, even, even in the church, he was planted and growth happened in community, even in Jesus, the scripture said, he grew in wisdom and stature with other people in community. So I have one point and one point only today. And it's this point number one, we grow in community. We see that Jesus grew in community. Everybody in this room would say, I want to grow in my walk with the Lord. I want to grow in how God is leading me. I want to grow in how God is leading my family and my parenting and my, my career. I want to grow in that. Then you have to be a people who are connected to community. Church attendance is great and metrics and all that stuff about church matters. But if, if we forsake community, then we won't grow. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Psalm chapter 92, verse 12, a very famous scripture. Uh, many of you have heard, but let me kind of break it down. The scripture says this in verse 12. It says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like cedar of Lebanon. Verse 13 says, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. Now, the Jewish mindset, anytime they would have heard somebody say something and give pictures, so tree and palm and all these, they would have looked into the meaning of what this is. So let me give you maybe how they would have interpreted this. So the scripture would have said, uh, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. Immediately, their mind would have been like, how does a palm tree work? Well, a palm tree, if you've ever seen the hurricane footage, 
Uh, you can literally see a palm tree uh, is, is just completely bent over by the winds, just taking a severe, just beating by the wind. The, the, the cow's flying by, the barn is flying by. Here's this palm tree bent all the way over. But when the storm is over, that palm tree goes right back into position. How many of you have ever seen an uprooted palm tree? You haven't. Because their root systems, they have depth. And so the scripture is saying, hey, the righteous, if you're in the courts of God, if you're connected in the house of God, you're going to be able to with, with endure the storms. Can I get amen? Then it says they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. The cedar of Lebanon uh, have been such a, a, a well-known and strong uh, tree that throughout ancient art and throughout literature, it is a symbol of power and longevity. Saying, hey, if you're planted in your community, if you're planted in the house of God, if you're planted in the things that God has for you, you will be known as something that has longevity and strength. And that's a desire that we all have is like, look, I'm going to endure as times get crazy, as things look messy, as as I feel like things are maybe slipping away. I'm going to be reminded that God said, if I'm planted in his court, I can be planted with something that has strength and longevity. Amen. And then it says we need to be planted in the house of God. What happens when a plant is uprooted, it dies. Um, we, I think this is my third week in a row preaching about this, but uh, we have two golden retriever puppies in our house right now. They're about 10 weeks old. I bet you can guess where all of our plants are. They're up high. Because we know if those puppies pluck those plants, they're all going to die. And so all of them are put up high. And the scripture is saying the same thing. Don't let yourself get uprooted from the house of God. Don't let yourself get uprooted from community and the people of God and the fellowship of God. We got to stay plugged into things so that we don't die. Amen. So we grow in community. Now, the reality is every person in this room knows this. To this point, I probably haven't said anything you don't already either know or haven't already thought about. The tricky part is actually putting it in play. We say this all the time. The largest gap in the world is between what you know to do and what you actually do. I know I should work out some more. I know that I should eat better. I know that I should go to bed earlier. I know that I should do all these things. But that gap between actually doing it is pretty big, right? The largest. And it's the same thing with community. You know what? I know that I need to get a little bit more plugged in. I need to meet some more people. I need to be more connected in in the body. I need to kind of reach out and help a little bit more. So we need to, in this hour that we're living, we need to shrink that gap. And so as a church, we've identified this. Like community is really important. Some studies coming out that through COVID and through the pandemic, Uh, because we were taught for so long, separate, separate, distance, make sure you're apart, all this kind of thing. Uh, People have had a hard time now reconnecting. Uh, People still feel weird in the grocery store when now you're in line and you're really close to each other. Or break rooms haven't come back to that break room water feel, you know, mentality anymore. Some people still working online. And so there's been this break in relationship. Well, God created us for connection. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. And so we as a church have identified, hey, it's really important for us to make sure we have community. And so we're going we're gonna to let you know a little bit of, of some of the ways that uh, over the next few months we're going to do community. And here's why it's really, really important. One, God says we should do it. But on the other side of God saying we're designed for community, I believe that the enemy is working really hard right now at creating isolation. Every single thing that you can be a part of now basically offers a service where you can do it by yourself or in isolation. You used to have to go to the movies. Now you got all the movies at home. You used to have to go out to eat. Now DoorDash. You used to have to go grocery shopping. Now the Amazon truck just lives at the end of the driveway, right? 
It's like you don't got to do anything. You can just all by yourself. And then this word binge, like we, we talk about, oh, it's not a big deal, binge. But, but literally, like we're just binging in these cocoons of isolations. Me, 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 self, self. you got iPad, iPod, all these I custom select mattresses. Everything knows all about you. So you're being programmed to be all about yourself. It's actually funny because it's not funny, it's sad, but the scripture says that in the last day, people will be lovers of themselves. And you're like, no, that's ridiculous. Nobody's a lover of themselves. Well, that's weird because we all have uh, internet pages devoted to ourselves. Facebook, literally every day. Like, hey, I'm gonna let everybody know what I'm doing. We have pages dedicated to ourselves, lovers of ourselves. Some of you are like, oh, that hit deep. Others are like, <laughs> anyway. So two things, we're created for community, but the other thing is there's this, there's this isolation attack that I believe is, is taking place. And so we're gonna stand in the gap. And so every year, if you've been with us, I know many of you are new, uh, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll handle this in the next 10 minutes. We'll just do 10 more minutes, but I want you to know about how we're kind of countering this. Every year we launch summer socials. We, we realize that we only have four good months of the year right here in Michigan. We, we, we are just those people with these bad habits of still living here. And so we have four good months of the year. And, uh, and so we get really busy when summer hits. And so as a church, instead of saying, hey, no, we're going to have a bunch of programs that happen here and we're going to get people to come to church and only be here. Instead, we're like, you know what, we're going to just all join each other where we are. We're going to just go out and do everything that we're all doing throughout the summer. We're going to do it together. And so we've got all of these ways that you can be involved in these. So let me run you through a few of these that we do every single year. First one, uh, go ahead and hit the next slide, guys, is our beach therapy. Uh, Many people uh, come to this and they actually experience, again, growth, growth in community. The way that beach therapy works is a bunch of our ladies get together. You just bring a, a chair with you up to the state park and you watch the sunset. So they get together and they talk and they do life together and they share and great relationships are made. I'm telling you, people have, have, have grown together and had breakthroughs simply through watching the sunset. You say, well, pastor, that doesn't sound very spiritual. I wonder how many sunsets the disciples had with Jesus where they learned many things that Jesus taught. It's community. And so beach therapy is a great one. Beach volleyball is another one. Uh, we rent out a couple of the courts and we come out, play volleyball. Now, I would say more people actually attend beach volleyball and don't play volleyball they're just hanging out on the side and kids are playing together and going down to the lake and having a great time. I'm a church kid. I grew up going to church. I, I, and I know that these environments are where you make friends and make lasting relationships and connect. And so beach therapy is a great hangout. Uh, men's breakfast is a great one. You know, we're, we're coming and going quick on a Sunday. And so we don't get to know each other's story real well. And uh, you come up to breakfast, you have some good food. Oh, where do you work? What are you up to? What are you into? And we get to make relationships. Some say, man, I had a bad day. You know, last week this thing happened. Hey, let me pray for you. Let's connect. And, and, and men's breakfast is super, super important. The golf group, if you're really good at golf, uh, come to the golf group and help me. Will you help me? (laughs) Just come out to the golf group. But both men and women getting out and uh, playing some golf together. And you know how this is. Yeah, we're playing golf, but you're standing on the tee box and you're talking together and you're connecting and getting to know each other. And so the golf group, same thing with the mom's play dates. You know, moms, you're not meant to try to figure this all out on your own. Parenting's crazy. And so you get together and you just share experiences and your kids get to know each other. And so the mom's play date's great. Vertical fitness, that one's stupid. We don't care about that one. And then the marriage class <laughs> is a good one. We, we believe, <laughs> someone's like, I think he means it. I do mean that. Um, and so the marriage class, like the pandemic was crazy. We had to make all these decisions and figure out all this stuff and how to parent and teach at home and all this stuff. And so maybe it's important for us to, to get together and just check on our marriage and, and make sure, you know, the whole thing is like, um, 
if you starve something, it dies. If we feed it, it grows. And so we all want to be grown in our marriage. So let's be, let's be investing in that. And so Live Free from Anxiety is another class that we're going to be offering this summer. And um, would love for, it's a, it's a ladies group. We'd love for you to come up and be able to talk and connect and share. Got some on the side that we do every single year. Our Wise Timers group uh, is our 45 and up group. And uh, such a great group. We don't call them the old timers. We call them the wise timers. Um, and it's great. They get together. Of course, after winter, uh, they changed the tennis balls on the bottom of their walkers, and uh, they got salt on those. Um, great. They get together. They refill their vitamin boxes. You know, it's really good. I think that's a good one. Um, I have one more in me I shouldn't say, but I won't. No, I can't. I can't. I, no, you guys can't. You can't. You can't. You can't. You can't. You can't. Um, I can make fun of it because my parents are in that group. My parents uh, lead that group. So do want to say there's actually a Wise Timer event. Truthfully, the reality about that group is it's one of the best groups we do here at a church. So really, if you're 45 and up, we'd love to have you check out that group. You can find it on the website. But there's an event coming up this weekend. And so we'd love to have you that. So Wise Timer group. Vessel is our young adults group, getting the young adults together. And uh, they get together and they all bring the bills that they forgot to pay because they're lazy millennials and they catch up on bills. And I'm just kidding could do this for every age range. <laughs> uh, that's a good one. And of course, our students and uh, a bunch of great groups that we constantly have going. Now, listen, these aren't to entertain, right? That's not the purpose is to, is to get us like, oh, we, we want things to entertain you. No, we want to get together and do life together because so many of our experiences are, hey, we made it through that because we had a group of people at our side and having our back. And um, these are some fun ways that we get to do that. But another thing that we're adding to that that's different from previous years is this year we want to host book studies offered by you, not the staff, but just by people of our church. And so if you're here and you say, hey, I used to do a small group or a community group, or I used to go through a book study with a certain team, uh, this is it for you. We would love for you to do that. Pray about, think about maybe a group that, uh, a topic you would like to lead, but then you can have people either into your home, you can have them do a coffee shop, you can rent a space here from the church for free, we'll get something set up for you. Um, Whatever you feel led, you can go to the park and do your study, whatever works for you. But if God is leading you to connect with people, Uh, through a study, we would love to offer a whole bunch of them through June, July, and August. You can pick a month that works for you, and we'll get you put in on that. Now, if you would like to do that, you can let us know that you're interested today. You can either go on the website or you can go in the app and click on events and you'll see a little spot there where you can say, I'm interested in hosting a study and then we'll get you put together. You say, well, pastor, I don't got a Bible degree. I I might not have all the answers. If I do, don't even worry about it. It's about doing life together. And we got a training that we'll do for you uh, coming up in a couple weeks where we'll sit down, let you know what those look like. and, um, And we would love for you to do that and just grow together with people. So if right now you're thinking, man, you know what? We could do that. I'm here to tell you, you should do that. If it's, if it's bubbling up in your heart, would encourage you to do that. We don't need to know the book and all the details right now, uh, but at least let us know that you're interested and we'll walk with you through that. And then lastly, uh, the second thing, which is unbelievably important right now, is, uh, is we are seeing an absolutely crazy um, epidemic that's happening And it's continuing to grow, uh, and that's in the sense of people that are being just bound by different forms of addiction. Addiction is just running so rampant. You know, the scripture talks about that in the last days, there'll be many seducing spirits, these spirits that are deceiving and tricking and and, and, and binding people into things that they don't want to be bound to. And so we've got to step in as a church, not in a judgmental way. 
No, that's the problem is too, too often the church came from a bullhorn judgmental way. We need to step in and just say, hey, we're with you. We got your back. We're standing alongside. We're all struggling. You know, when, when people are struggling with an addiction, we don't say, oh, you people that are struggling with addiction. You say, no, no, we're all our people. When somebody else hurts, we all hurt. Are you with me? And the reality is we're all struggling with something. And so we as a church have seen, though, that the numbers continue to just spike and climb. And I'm going to read you some of that information. And so the church needs to be a place where people can come in and find hope and freedom and get some fresh air. Can I get an amen today? According to the addictioncenter.com, 21 million Americans have at least one addiction, yet only 10% of them receive treatment. Only, 20, only 10% of 21 million people. Now, this is just people that, that admit to having an addiction. There are many people that live their whole lives bound by things and never even uh, would qualify it as an addiction. 21 million people are struggling. Only 10% of them read, uh, receive help. Drug overdoses, drug overdose deaths have doubled every 10 years since 1990. So as much as you would like to think we're smarter, we have more tools, we can get more help, there's more. The sad part is every 10 years, the number of drug overdoses doubles. We saw a 23% increase in drug overdose deaths in 2020 alone. The heaviness of the world, all the things. Alcohol and drug addiction cost the U.S. economy over $600 billion every single year. Why are you mentioning that? Uh, I'm mentioning it because the answer is not found in some governmental program. It's found in finding Jesus. Can I get an amen? And, and I'm not against, you know, some secular programs and there's good help out there. But $600 billion um, of government money is not working. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> but, uh, but what are we saying? We're saying the church needs to take its place and, and present the proper message. Can I get an amen? 20% of Americans who have depression or anxiety turn to substance abuse and it becomes a disorder in their life. Well, we know, and many of you know, people that are really struggling with anxiety and depression and the things that we're facing in this time. And the statistic says 20% of them will end up in some type of substance abuse. More than 90% of people who have an addiction started to drink alcohol or use drugs before the years at the age 18. Why does that matter to us as Christians? Well, it matters to us because then what we see is that means it's generational. If, if, if we don't get people free in the condition that they're in now, they might pass that on to others at a, at a younger generation. It's this cycle that just keeps going and going. So how important is it for the church to step in and say, hey, community matters. You're our family. Let's get in. Let's help each other. Let's support each other. Let's connect with each other so that we can break this generational cycle. Amen. One out of every 20 deaths in America not one out of every 20 drug or addiction-related death. One out of every 20 deaths in America is alcohol-related, is alcohol abuse-related. And so we have a problem with this. And many of us, I know, are struggling. And I'm not here to judge anybody. I really hope that you hear my heart that says, like, hey, we're here to come alongside you and stand with you and, and, and take you by the hand and, and put our arm around you. We're not going to say, all oh, these stats are terrible. You know, somebody needs to go fix that. We're here to say, hey, we, we want to do life with you. And that's why this church is, 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 is taking it serious. And we're saying we're launching this 180 program of like, hey, we're going we're gonna to be there alongside each other. 
my guy Cannon back here. Everybody wave at Cannon. Cannon, wave your hand. Josh Cannon, this is Josh. He's going to be a big part of this. You saw him up here playing keys and, and playing guitar, and, and you, you'll know him. Uh, but he, he's given his life to this. He has studied, and, and he's involved in so many different things this way. And so we're taking it serious. It's been something we've talked about uh, for a great amount of time. But here's a very interesting stat. Those, of those who have gotten free, that have found freedom, that have said, hey, I've been able to break the cycle and get out of this, 8% of those who have been able to find free freedom from addiction uh, found it through medication. 8% found freedom because they found it through medication. 30% of people that found freedom, they found it uh, because they went into some type of inpatient care. So they went into a rehab, a long-term stay, something like that. 62% of people who found freedom from addiction, they found it because they, you're not going to believe this, regularly attended a group. What does that mean? They found community. They found community. They found the design that God created us for where you come alongside each other and you say, hey, I'm with you. I get this. We're together. I'm not going to leave you. And so community matters at such a high level. The reality is we can't say, oh, addiction is just for those people in the big city or those people struggling with the thing. We all know somebody who's bound by some type of addiction. 76% of Americans know somebody with an addiction. 43% of Americans know somebody who lost their life to an addiction. In this room, if we kind of made the web and web and drew the lines, we could all share stories of people who have struggled with addiction. How much more so if we have the hope of the world, Jesus Christ living on the inside of us, how much more so should we be stepping in to help people find freedom? Amen? The spike that we see, though, is it's easy to say drugs, alcohol, these kind of things. But there are more people flooding into treatment centers that are saying, I am addicted to social media. We saw that on Netflix because we're addicted to Netflix. There's a documentary called The Social Dilemma where social media uh, uh, designers, they don't even hide the fact that they say social media is literally created and wired The algorithms are made to keep you addicted to social media, continually checking and people flooding in and saying, I need help. I can't stay off my phone. It's ruining my marriage. It's ruining my parenting. It's ruining my job because I can't stay off social media shopping. We see people. It's way too convenient to to Amazon this and to do this. I can't stop shopping. I just spend too much money. I can't help myself. And so they need freedom from that. We know that the pornography scene is is overwhelming you know back in the day to find pornography you used to have to find a magazine or go do a thing and now literally men and women carry porn in their pocket it's called our cell phones you can access it on all social media platforms most social media platforms it's it's all over the place for free and so people are saying i can't get out of this i need help with this it's destroying my mind it's destroying my marriage it's and, and so it's something we got to step into phone games people are stepping in and saying i can't stop playing these stupid games these angry birds are killing me <laughs> but these things that we constantly stare down at meanwhile our kids grow old you know what i'm talking about And so I don't want you to say, well, I don't have a drug problem. I don't have a, if we have addiction problems, sports betting just became legal. Every third commercial when I listen to sports radio is like, right now you can bet on this and bet on that. You know, back in the day, because I'm 40, I'm old. (laughs) Back in the day, we used to have football on Sunday and Monday. That was it. Now we have football every single day of the week. And then when the NFL's over, the USFL is out and XFL is out. We got football all the time. I mean, I need to leave because football's on. (laughs) So sports is taking over men's lives because you can watch it at all times, at all the things. And so I just want to encourage you. 
helping people find freedom isn't necessarily just big drugs, alcohol, you know, some of the things that we're used to hearing. There are a lot of people that need us to help them find their freedom. So what are you saying, Pastor? What are you asking me to do? I'm asking you to be a part of the team that does that. Uh, If you're here and you're saying, I struggle with an addiction, either scan that or go on the website and you'll find a spot that you can say, hey, I'm interested in this group. Or maybe you're here and you're saying, hey, Pastor, I don't struggle with an addiction, but I'm somebody who would love to be a mentor or a coach or somebody that can be there for somebody. Please let us know that you're interested in being a part of that. And let's build this team and and let's be available to our community where we can help them find their freedom and, um, and see God's best in their life. Amen. So Easter ain't it. We love Easter and we celebrate the resurrection and all that kind of stuff. But what we really want to build is a community of people that link arms, love one another, and help people find freedom, discover their purpose in God. Are you with me? Amen. Let me pray into that. And uh, you pray about how God might use you in these ways. But on the website and in the app are how you can let us know how you're interested. And I can't wait to see what God does through it. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for the way that you love us and lead us. Lord, we pray that... Those that you're leading, Lord, your word says the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. God, I pray that you show everyone their next step. Lord, whether it be in the addiction recovery group or in hosting a a study for our summer socials, God, I pray that you just use your people, Lord, to help people find freedom and find community. In Jesus' name, amen.